welcome to our third quarter market outlook webcast. I'm Suma Nair, Chief Fiduciary Officer at Fiduciary Trust. I hope you and your family are doing well. In today's discussion, we'll help you stay informed by sharing our latest views on the global economy and financial markets. I'm joined today by Austin Shepard, President and CEO of Fiduciary Trust, and Hans Olson, our Chief Investment Officer, who will share our perspective on these topics. Over to you, Austin to begin today's discussion. Thank you, Suma, and thank you for joining our third quarter Market Insights. As always, I'm joined here with our Chief Investment Officer, Hans Olson. Hans, it's great to see you. Great to be with you, Austin. We've got a lot going on. We have uh, rising inflation, war in Europe, domestic challenges, and more. And so as, uh, as a result, today we're going to try a little different format, uh, and Hans is going to walk us through a series of slides and provide commentary. So with that, let me turn it over to you, Hans. Thank you, Austin. Indeed, we do have a lot to talk about. Since we were last together, the U.S. equity market has slipped into a bear market, and indeed, parts of the fixed income market, the long end of the treasury market, has also slipped into a bear market, down more than 20%. So with inflation raging, uh, uh, interest rates rising, and, and large questions about the direction of the economy and the markets, what we want to do today is to try to take apart some of these larger issues and get a sense of where we may go from here. Now, without a doubt, the ground zero for all the ructions is around inflation. Inflation in the United States has been moving along at a gallop. Uh, we're at levels that we haven't seen in more than 40 years. It's not only a, uh, an American problem, but it's an international problem as well, as we see what's going on in Europe with strikes uh, uh, unfolding as a result of uh, wages not keeping up with the increase in prices. Here at home, this inflation problem is broad-based. Um, roughly two, uh, roughly uh, uh, two-thirds of the basket of goods that we consume, that the government measures, is rising at 10% per or more per year. Um, so inflation, which has heated up over the last year, is in some cases running quite hot indeed. And that's created a problem. And that problem has manifested itself in what people are earning. Uh, and the earnings are not keeping up with the inflation. So in real terms, earnings have been falling. As we see um, over the last, uh, let's say, uh, year or so, earnings, real inflation-adjusted earnings are below zero. They're negative. So, you know, while people might be earning more, they're making less because of inflation. And that's a position no one wants to be in. And as a result of that happening, that, that loss of earnings power, right? People aren't working less. Uh, they're working just as hard, but we're making less. It creates all sorts of problems in sentiment. And we've seen a rollover in consumer sentiment uh, that is problematic from the consumer standpoint. And it's also manifested itself in unhappiness uh, with our leadership, um, uh, the presidential, and which is often uh, centered on presidential approval ratings. And, and we see that uh, this president has uh, really challenged approval ratings and driven in part, uh, in good part, by the economic uncertainty that's beset the country. Now, what are we doing as a result of this? What's, what is, what's the response that policymakers uh, uh, have, have made in, in light of this rage, well, raging inflation, but galloping inflation, 
And it, it's twofold. The central bank um, earlier this year started a program of raising interest rates, and they've raised interest rates uh, at, at at a rate that we haven't seen in some time. You know, half a uh, half a percentage points, three percentage points, uh, three percentage, three quarters of a percentage point per meeting. So a fair amount every meeting. And these these large increases in interest rates are expected to occur over the next couple of meetings as we get to back to a more normal level of interest rates. The second thing that they're doing is that they are beginning to shrink the balance sheet, this Leviathan balance sheet that was created by the printing of money to support the economy through the pandemic, and now is is in the process of, of, of being unwound. It's being unwound slowly, but the impact that that has is to take liquidity or money out of the economy, and hopefully that will ease some of the inflation uh, pressures that are are present in the economy. Now, this problem, this this task that the central bank has to uh, uh, deal with, is enormous. When you when you think about um, the, the 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 sort of a return to some sort of level of normalcy. Um, is going to be a Herculean task. If you look at, for example, to, to demonstrate the point, if you look at uh, the size of the market, the stock market, the popular stock market, the S&P 500, if you look at the market capitalization of that relative to the economy it operates in, you can see that over the last several years, uh, the markets really be- became detached from uh, its, its, its average over the last 30 years. Um, so, you know, the, the process of resetting that could be, be quite painful. Similarly, if we look at the same issue from a different angle, which is through the lens of corporate profits of both the tradable sector and the private sector relative to the economy, here again, profits became a very large piece or much larger piece of its historical relationship to the size of the economy. And we're going through a period of reset there. These, these, this reset both uh, uh, involves elements of pain as it, re- as it represents sort of a slowing of both uh, economic activity and market valuations. Now, this, this period that we're in, this, this, this rather difficult period, is, is pretty different from anything that we've seen, uh, certainly over the last 20 years, and indeed one could argue going back 40 years. Over the last 40 years, there's been a sort of an epic, if you will, to put it in literary terms, of, of the great moderation, which meant declining uh, interest rates, which was accompanied by declining inflation, right? Um, a smoothing and a shortening of the business cycle. So that's been a feature of the last 40 years of American capital markets. Well, it, that seems to be, we seem to be at the moment of change and, and interest rates now are rising at a good clip. Inflation, as I said earlier, is raging uh, you know, with levels that we haven't seen since uh, 1980, 1981. And so it seems like this epic is coming to an end and the great moderation is, is, is closing out and something else will follow. And what what might follow is more volatile uh, uh, price movements and more volatile growth patterns here at home in the United States. Uh, what what this epic will be called remains to be seen, but it does certainly seem that um, um, the period is changing. Now, from a capital markets perspective, this pivot uh, has been really problematic, right? Uh, its returns across the capital market landscape this year are sort of a mirror image of what we saw 
for the entire year last year, which was an exceptionally good year. What's remarkable about this year is that pretty much every asset class is down. Large cap uh, stocks are down. International stocks are down. High yield debt, uh, investment grade debt, all down. Emerging markets down. Even investment grade bonds are down in the double digits. Really the only thing that's made money for anyone this year, and very little money at bat, has been cash. Um, so, so this is, you know, as I said earlier, a very difficult environment, a bear market for sure for equities, indeed for parts of the, uh, the fixed income market, uh, and, and uh, one that is probably not over yet. We have more to go here. And it's important to remember that in a bear market, um, there can be counter trend rallies. Uh, in other words, there can be periods where markets uh, rise pretty significantly, even though you're in a broadly falling market. And one needs to, to look no further than the tech bust, that bear market from 2000 to 2002, to see this point borne out. Uh, within that two-year period, there were a handful of instances where uh, equity markets rallied anywhere from about 8% to 21%, only to have those rallies roll over, all those gains given back while the market was sorting itself out and eventually making the bottom from which it, it moved higher. Now, it's important to note that part of the market is, uh, is you know, the, the bond market, I think, is doing a very good job of pricing the risk uh, right now. You see it in terms of bond market volatility. Um, the equity market volatility higher, but nowhere near uh, I, I would argue levels that would suggest that it's pricing the uncertainty that it, that it should be in terms of both earnings valuation and policy. One area that is beginning to price, uh, 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 one subsector uh, of the bond market that's beginning to price uh, the environment, I think pretty accurately and, and more accurately as we go, is the high yield market. And we point that out as a standout. Uh, we're looking at the the adjusted uh, the options adjusted spread in high yield because we haven't been at these levels now for some time. And in a normalized environment, it's been roughly six years since we've seen yield spreads at these levels, which I think is revealing, um, and it suggests that there's more to come both in the equity market and uh, the fixed income market as well. Now, um, I, I think it's it's also important to recognize that um, behind all of this, and in which all of this is denominated for U.S. investors, is the strength of our currency, the dollar. Now, people don't talk about the dollar very much, but it's important to remember uh, that it is a, uh, a, a, a sort of a, an avatar, if you will, of sentiment for uh, uh, risk appetite. And there's been a lot of money flowing into the U.S. dollar as a safe haven. Now, in turn, this has caused uh, this is going to cause problems for the export side of our economy at a time when we really don't need another challenge, and it will cause a headwind uh, for international markets such as uh, emerging markets and uh, uh, international fixed income, uh, where most of the return comes in currency fluctuation. So this is something that we have to keep in mind. Keep in mind. Uh, the dollar probably is higher before it goes lower as uncertainty rises before it resolves. Uh, and, and and important to keep this in mind. Now, finally, you know, the, the talk that uh, is really uh, prevalent right now is will the economy 
slip into recession or not. A couple of months ago, uh, we suggested that uh, at, well before anyone else was talking about it, that it looked like to, from our perch that there was a 50% chance of the economy slipping into recession. Why did we say that? Well, whenever you have shocks to both the price of money and the price of energy, two of the most fundamental inputs into any economy, when you've had severe shocks to both of those at the same time, they're typically followed by recession. And that's what's happened this time. Uh, over the last six to 12 months. We've had shocks to both, and they've been exacerbated over the last six months. Now, that alone would suggest that the probability of recession uh, is rising, if not high. What has uh, uh, mitigated that uh, is that earnings for the, for the market, uh, for, for the U.S. stock market, continue to hold up. Earnings expectations, profit expectations, continue to hold up very well. Uh, and, and, you know, the job market continues to be very robust. Consumers continue to spend even though confidence has fallen. So that's the pros and the cons for the arguments for and against recession. Far from being resolved yet, but those are, that is what we're going to be looking at as we go forward here through the rest of the year and into next year to see how that ultimate really resolves. We're still cautiously optimistic. We've raised cash in, we've recommended that investors raise cash. We did that very early this year to um, buffer uh, uh, the vicissitudes of the market uh, that we expected would, would unfold over the course of the year. That puts us in very good stead to pivot later and take advantage of values that, uh, that emerge as a result of the market uh, pivoting to the next phase. So with that, Austin, let me turn it back to you for any questions. Thank you, Hans. I like, I like this format. Uh, we might try to uh, continue it again in future opportunities. Um, but what we also wanted to do was we had surveyed um, a few of our investment officers of questions that were coming in or that they're fielding from some of our clients. And I wanted to spend a little bit of a time talking about valuations. Um, and specifically, um, I think uh, this time last year or 12 months ago, the market multiple, so what the price or the price of uh, the basket of goods versus the earnings was about 20 times of, uh, what it was. Today, it's about 16, uh, significantly less. And so with that context, is this, is this a time to buy or when's the time to buy uh, as, as things go down? Uh, yeah, is the market cheap enough to entice people to to, to buy. I don't think it is yet. So, so Austin, you're quite right. The, the, over the last year, indeed, over the last six months, there's been a, a real um, decline in the market multiple. It actually was a little higher. It was about 22. Uh, and now it's down around um, 16 and a half, almost 17. So it's in the 16s. That's a, that's a big decline. So all this decline in uh, uh, the market is due to um, really the multiple contracting on what you pay for earnings. The thing that hasn't happened, and perhaps the shoe to drop, therefore the answer to the question, is that the earnings expectations, profits, right, are not, haven't really, the expectations for profits haven't rolled over. Not yet. Not yet, right? And so if you were to expect a, a recession to take hold, well, earnings in recessions typically will fall 30, 40 percent. It's an enormous drop in earnings. Markets, um, I don't think have priced that yet. Um, so both this year nor next, there's a little rollover in next year's earnings, but nothing that would suggest recession at this point. So the, the answer to your question then is no, it's not cheap enough. And the shoe that you need to see drop or not drop 
and I think there's going to be some adjustment of earnings coming, we've been writing about this for some time, is to see earnings finally start to roll over when that happens uh, and you get confirmation of what we're seeing elsewhere, then valuations uh, and the conditions are right to start thinking about putting money in. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about, because I think you mentioned this in your earlier comments, about the sequencing of that, right? So we're doing a resetting of valuations now, earnings. One of the things that we're going to be getting together in three months and seeing sort of where we are, you talked about the end of this year and earnings. We've got supply chain inflation, midterm elections, continuing challenges in Europe. Is it your expectation that it's really be more third, fourth quarter that we'll start to see that manifest itself in the in the earnings of the companies? Right. Uh, I think you're exactly right about that, especially in third quarter, fourth quarter, quarter um, the, the dislocations that we've seen in food and energy, uh, if they're going to manifest themselves to the level that people are talking about, it's going to be then, especially in Europe, right? Um, uh, we'll start to see... Um, um, some of this bite, perhaps, in third quarter earnings. Second quarter earnings, which is the season that we're working through, just starting uh, as we broadcast this, they're remarkably optimistic. Uh, so you, by looking at what you know, market participants are expecting for this quarter, you wouldn't. There's no hint of concern there. Um, but you know, if we're going to see it, it'll start to really manifest itself in Q3, Q4, uh, and then, of course, expectations about next year should really start to take more of a mind share at that point. Well, with that context, can you just uh, quickly walk us through the asset classes and your, so, you know, in our current standpoint, yeah. how you think about the attractiveness of each one of the different asset, asset classes. classes? Yeah, I would have to say, if we, if we look at our, so in our traditional asset class schema, um, cash is perhaps the most interesting thing right now, right? Where, where it wasn't, right. you know, 24 months ago. Right, right. It's, it's the least beat up house on the street, if you will. Um, and that's principally because it's, you know, while you're bleeding some purchasing power there, uh, you're not bleeding it anywhere to the extent what you could in these other asset classes while we reset both valuations and expectations. I think for, for, for the most part, um, fixed incomes, fixed income securities remain largely, um, uninteresting at this point because we're starting to see the reset there. Structured credit is an area we can, we've liked, uh, because very short duration, we've gotten some income from it. That's helped, uh, ameliorate sort of the, the drawdown across, uh, uh, the fixed income complex. The equity market largely you know, if, if you're going, if you have to be invested in the equity market, which most people do because it's not zero one, right, right. in, out, U.S. equity market still uh, perhaps the best because the earnings expectations there are, uh, have held up the best, perhaps. Uh, emerging markets, uh, no, uh, because of currency at this point, you know, we talked about a, a strong dollar, that hurts emerging markets. Higher interest rates, uh, lack of liquidity, that draws liquidity out of emerging markets. Uh, the developed markets are getting cheap, but you know, if you're looking at places like Europe, uh, you know, there's a winter, both figuratively and literally descending on Europe at the moment uh, that could make for some tough sledding between now and then. Markets held up well, but they're also down similar to what the U.S. is. It's surprising that they're not down more given that there's a war raging on the continent. Um, so so it's, it's a really tricky environment at the moment. There's no clear... Uh, you know, table pounding by, right? It's, it's all relative, uh, with cash being the sort of the, 
uh, the best and uh, most interesting asset at this at this time. So boring is the new exciting, if you will. But also getting prepared and, and, and taking a longer perspective than the short term. It does. I mean, it gives you optionality right. when things reset, and that, which is why we recommended clients raise cash very early this year, back in February, to give us that optionality as we see yield spreads go from you know, 200 basis points to 500 basis points, maybe on their way to 800, at which point we start to get very interested. Well, excellent. Well, thank you, Hans. I appreciate your time. Uh, and thank you for joining us. And I, with that, uh, we will uh, turn it back to Suma. I'd also like to express appreciation to our audience for joining. We hope that you found the discussion useful. We are experiencing an uncertain time in the economy and markets. At Fiduciary Trust, we have extensive wealth planning, investment, trust, tax, and other expertise to help our clients navigate through it and achieve their goals. I encourage you to access some of our knowledge through insights on our website at fidtrustco.com or by reaching out to a fiduciary trust officer if we can be of assistance. If you do not have a fiduciary trust officer, please contact John Morey, who is one of our officers who can assist you. He can be reached at 617-292-6799 or at Morey at fiduciary-trust.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we wish you and your family health and well-being. The opinions expressed in this material are as of the date issued and subject to change at any time. The materials discuss general market conditions and trends and should not be construed as investment advice. Any reference to specific securities are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended to be and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Nothing contained herein is intended to constitute investment, legal, tax, or accounting advice, and viewers should discuss any proposed arrangement or transaction with their investment, legal, or tax advisors. Copyright 2022, Fiduciary Trust Company.